Thank you for joining us for our 21 days of prayer. It's our hope that during this month, you will encounter God in a fresh way. We're asking God together to open our eyes, to light our path, and to lead the way. Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's my prayer that this podcast will encourage you to spend all day today in an attitude of prayer as you continue on this 21-day journey with us. Good morning. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you guys for joining us here in person. It's good to see uh, good morning, early, smiley, almost faces, uh, whether they're smiley or not. Um, I know in the mornings I generally am just sort of like dragging for a little while until I pick up momentum. Uh, But we're going to sing a couple songs this morning that uh, one of them is a song we learned on Sunday. And it's just focusing on God's grace for us. Uh, But the first song we're going to start out with is a song that just asks for God to be with us in this moment and reminding ourselves that he is. So as we sing these songs, let me just encourage you to take the time to open your heart up to God one more time and say, God, I'm interested in you taking charge of this day. Lord, I want you to be the one with me no matter what I'm facing I have a home eternal home but for now I walk this broken world you walked it first you know our pain but you show hope can rise again up from the grave abide with me abide with me don't let me fall and don't let go walk with me and never leave ever close God abide with me there in the night Gethsemane before the cross before the nails overwhelmed alone you pray you met us in our suffering and bore our shame. Abide with me, abide with me, don't let me fall and don't let go. Walk with me and never Up ahead 
eternity will weep no more and sing for joy abide with me will weep no more and sing for joy abide with me the Lord abide with me abide with me don't let me fall and don't let go walk with me and never leave ever close God abide with me ever close God abide with me ever close God abide with me Precious blood has left me forgiven Pure like the whitest of snow Powerful to make sin and shame retreat This covenant is making me whole So I will rise and lift my head for by his mercy my life was spared the highest name has set me free because of jesus my heart is clean purify my heart in your presence Teach me to discover the joy Of holiness that forms as you draw me close In you what was lost is restored So I will rise and lift my head For by His mercy my life was spared The highest name has set me free Because of Jesus my heart is clean So I will rise and lift my head For by His mercy my life was spared the highest name has set me free because of jesus my heart is clean precious blood oh precious blood has left me forgiven pure like the whitest of snow Powerful to make sin and shame retreat This covenant is making me whole So I will rise 
His mercy my life was spared. The highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. So I will rise and lift my head. For by His mercy, my life was spared. The highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. One more. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Jesus, we just ask that you'd move in our midst today. Help us to get a glimpse of who you really are. Help us to understand better how you intend to work in our lives and through our lives. Lord, would you just give us that perspective today? Help us to, help us to see you more clearly. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. We've got a drummer today. If you're watching us online, uh, clap in your home. <laughs> and if you're here in the room, just go a whoop. There you go. Thanks so much for joining us today, Luke. It's uh, always more exciting. We can wake up in the morning when we've got drums. I like that. Um, so I've got a little devotional lesson that I want to bring to us today. And it's coming out of the book of Second Kings chapter 6. And so if you want to join me there, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 23 is kind of the, the main section we're going to be on. So I mentioned this yesterday. I, I told you the first half of this story, kind of. I really told you the middle half, uh, middle third of the story. And today I want to give you the whole story. I want to give you the, the bigger context of it. So what's going on? Uh, yesterday we talked about this moment when the servant of Elisha, saw an army surrounding the city, and he was really nervous, he was really scared. And so he goes to Elisha, he says, what are we supposed to do? And Elisha says, don't worry about it. We're supposed to not worry about it because the ones who are with us are more than the ones who are with them. And then Elisha prays and he says, oh God, open the eyes of my servant. And then God in his grace opens the servant's eyes so that the servant can then see the spiritual forces that are lining the hills, that are just surrounding the entire area. You've got horses and flaming chariots is the way it's described. And so he sees these, this heavenly army just all the way around him, as far as the eye can see, 360 degrees. And at that moment, he realizes that he's not alone, that God is there with him and that God is in a position to solve this man's problems. And that's where we stopped last week. That's where we ended the story. Uh, today, I want to give you the bigger context. First, let me explain to you why the enemy was there in the first place. You see, the story at the beginning of the chapter, if you read through it a little bit or if you skim through it a little bit, not all the way at the beginning of the chapter, but you know, earlier on in the chapter, how it goes is that the, the king of Aram, or Aram, 
is coming against the people of Israel. They're in a constant war battle of some kind. But it's mostly that the people of Aram are raiding the people of Israel and they're, you know, stealing stuff from them. That's kind of what's going on there. Well, um, the king is also making plots against the Israel king. So the king of Aram is making plots against the king of Israel. And Elisha gets a word from God over every one of these plots And then he reports to his king what the king of Aram is planning. And so then the king of Israel makes a move. He gets, he avoids the thing. And now the king of Aram is frustrated because he's like, oh my goodness, every time I plan something, it's like this other guy knows what's going on. And uh, the people in Aram are like, well, it's because of Elisha. He's a dude who knows everything. He's a dude who like has this inside track with God. And anytime you plan something, um, Elisha is going to reveal it to the king first. And so the king of Aram comes up with a plan. He says, okay, forget warring against Israel. Let's just go after Elisha. And so when the servant of Elisha wakes up the next morning and looks out and he sees the army surrounding the city, he's not seeing an army that is planning to take the city. He's seeing an army that is planning to take Elisha. That's what they're going after. They're going after Elisha directly. They're trying to kill him. So they brought an entire army just to kill Elisha. That's their goal. And so now let me read the story, including the part that we looked at yesterday. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And it's important. It's horses and chariots. Just remember that. Horses and chariots. Had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of Horses and chariots, the same word. But this time, it's horses and chariots of fire. So not only are there more of them, they're also flaming with fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, and now we're getting to the part of the story we didn't cover yesterday, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. That's really interesting. Elisha had just prayed that God would open the eyes of the servant to see things that couldn't be seen. And now he's praying that God would blind the eyes of the army so they couldn't see the things that should be seen. And then Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Now, there's a part of me that's a little um, weirded out by this because it feels like Elisha has lied to them. And then the question is, well, is it okay? Is it ever okay for us to lie? But it's not really a lie. If you pay attention to what he says, he just simply says, this is not the city. Which city? (laughs) It's just, this is not the city you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for. This is not the city you're looking for. This is not the road. Follow me and I'll lead you to the man. Well, he is the man, so wherever he goes, he's leading them to the man, right? So he's not lying about that one either. But it is, you know, honestly, it is a little deceptive. Anyway, he says, follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked around. And there they were inside Samaria. And this is fascinating to me. I'm convinced that the 
the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of this text to use this exact metaphor multiple times to make a point. Elisha prays God, open the eyes of this man, the servant. And God in his grace and his mercy does. Just so the servant wouldn't be afraid anymore. And then Elisha prays, close the eyes of these people who are attacking me. And God does. And then Elisha finally prays, God, open the eyes of these men in the army. And what's fascinating to me is that the same phrase of grace that was applied to the servant is now being applied to these men. The army that was there to attack Elisha. And God does it. The Lord opened their eyes and they looked. And there they were inside Samaria. Once again, someone opens up their eyes to realize that they are surrounded by their enemy. Or surrounded by an ally, depending on your perspective. And these guys are now surrounded by their enemy. They must be terrified. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Now we've got this enemy in our city. Let's wipe them out. And Elisha says this. Here's how the story culminates. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword or bow? In other words, if you capture a prisoner of war, is it proper to kill them? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, depending on what kind of war you're fighting. But this is what Elisha says. He says, set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they'd finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their masters. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. This absolutely fascinates me. Not only is the same word of grace used, open his eyes, open their eyes. Not only is that same phrase of grace being used for both the servant and the enemy, but on top of that, Elisha says that the proper way to respond to this servant is to treat them well. The proper way to respond to this army is to treat them well. Not just treating them well, treating them great. Not just treating them great, giving them a feast and sending them home. Fill them up with food. Treat them to a great party and then send them home. These are soldiers. You don't treat your soldier enemies, enemy soldiers well and then send them back to their own hometown, to their own city, to their own country. What you do is you capture them and you hold them hostage until the war is over. And then when the war is over, then you release them. That's the way most armies operate. That's the way most governments operate. But Elisha says, no, we're taking these enemies, we're taking these soldiers, we're feeding them well, we're sending them home. And the end result of the story is we're told that the raiding stopped. The king of Aram, for some reason, just decides he's not going to do it anymore. You know, from one perspective, I'm not exactly sure what the relationship of Israel to Aram was after that, but from one perspective, you could say that Elisha turned the enemy into friends. Elisha, with an act of grace, turned the enemy into allies, friends, or at least cordial. But whatever the case is, at the beginning of the story, there was an enemy army. And at the end of the story, 
there was not. When I look at that story, I think about the attitude of the servant when he wakes up in the morning and he sees the surrounding horde, and I imagine he's, he's scared, he's terrified. And then he thinks, okay, uh, how do we deal with this? And the solution provided by God in his grace is for this man to see the armies of God surrounding them. And in that moment, if I put myself in the shoes of the servant, then I myself am thinking, all right, God, it's time for you to act. It's, it's good enough for me to know you're there. I mean, I like the fact that you're there. I'm reassured that you're there, but I want you to do something. I want you to act. And many times in my life, I can be reassured of God's presence, but I'm doubtful that God is actually going to do anything about it. And if you pay attention to the story, you will notice that God never uses that army. The servant sees the army, sees the chariots of fire, but they do nothing. They stay on the outskirts of the visible area the whole time. And then... The enemy is in the town, and they're surrounded by people. And you you think, okay, well, now is our chance for vengeance. Let's do something. Let's take action. No action is taken in this entire story except for activities of grace. I'm fascinated by that. God has an army of horses and flaming chariots, and yet the victory is won through acts of grace. Open their eyes, feed their bellies, send them home. I uh, asked you yesterday to pray that God would open your eyes, that God would open our eyes to see his presence with us. But today, I'm asking you to pray and ask God not just to open your eyes to his presence, but to ask God to open your eyes to his activity in this world. And not the activity that we want, the activity of defeating our enemies, the activity of of vengeance, the activity of whatever sort of conquest you feel like you need today, but to ask God to reveal to you the activity he's up to that is the activity of grace and reconciliation. God is up to something. And what he does through Elisha is he brings reconciliation between these countries because of acts of grace. And I believe he wants to do the same thing with you. I believe he wants to do the same thing with me. And so, today in our time of prayer, we're going to ask for God to open our eyes, not only to his presence around us, but also to his activity within us and through us to be agents of reconciliation and grace, to be agents of that redemption that is possible in this world. The true heavenly work in this story isn't the armies fighting. It is the armies no longer fighting. And so let me remind you how we're going to do this. We're going to stop for a time of private prayer, and I'm going to ask you to just spend some time quietly, you with God. Uh, Today, what, what I want you to do if you're joining us online is just after the stream ends, Quiet your heart down and spend some time with God, however much time you have. And let's follow this recipe together. It starts with a prayer that says, God, open my eyes that I might see you, that I might know what you're up to. And then it's a time of reflection, thinking through your previous day and ask yourself the question, where have I seen God? Where have I seen God at work in my life? What was God up to yesterday? And then write it down. 
If you keep a journal or a diary or something like that, it's perfect. Otherwise, a piece of notepaper or your phone, write down how God was moving in your life yesterday. Maybe you didn't notice it yesterday, but maybe he'll reveal it to you today. How was God moving in my life yesterday? And then, God, what do you want to do in my life today? And the way to answer that question is by just simply spending some time praying over all the things that are on your heart or reading in Scripture something that God can speak into you right now. So God, open my eyes. God, what were you up to yesterday in my life? How did you reveal yourself to me yesterday? God, what do I need for today? And then, at the end of that, if uh, we still have some people here in the room, we're going to gather together and just share some of our thoughts And the final thoughts that we're going to share with each other are answering the questions, what am I seeing, what am I sensing, what am I feeling, what am I hearing? How is God opening my eyes? We're going to just share a few stories of testimony with each other. If you have someone with you that you can ask that question with wherever you are, then spend a, a brief moment just sharing those thoughts with each other of what God is revealing to you. And then go on with the rest of your day under the blessing of God's grace. Let me start us with a word of prayer and then head on out to do that time. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would open our eyes and you would help us to be people who see that you are with us, but who also see what you are up to in and through us. Lord, may we be people reassured of your presence that you are stronger than anything that we face. But may we also be people who are agents of grace and reconciliation in this world. Lord, speak to our hearts today as we spend this time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.